This is one of my favorite chapters, so uh, I think I'm going to just dispense with the sermon that I had planned and uh, speak on this chapter this evening. There are so many, many wonderful teachings in this chapter till I just think we would uh, benefit from just a uh, study, verse-by-verse study of this beautiful and wonderful chapter. Daniel, of course, is from the Holy Land. He's from the land of uh, Israel, land of Judah. And he had some companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their foreign name, we might say. The name that's been given to them uh, over in the land of Babylon. And so these fellows are quite distinguished. They were noble young men. They had royal blood in their veins. And uh, they were outstanding. Beside that, they had the blessings and inspiration of God. And uh, they made quite a name for themselves in this foreign country. Now, Daniel has lived under two administrations or more already. And just previous to this chapter, you know, uh, the Chaldeans had been subdued and their king had been slain and a new king had come in. But somehow or other, Daniel was preserved and Daniel was known and Daniel was recognized. Uh, Probably this new king uh, had gained some intelligence about him. And uh, without a doubt... Uh, this great deed that he did on uh, this previous night, a few nights previous to this, when he interpreted the handwriting on the wall. That was certainly a feat of outstanding merits, indeed. So we see Daniel now still being used under this new administration. When a new king comes and sets up, the Bible says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Well, it's his business now to reconstruct the kingdom. And he's going to uh, uh, set it up in his fashion. A new administration comes in now. And so he's got 120 princes that he's going to set out over the kingdom. And over these three, and over these three presidents. Now, this is uh, three men that's going to be over the 120, you see. But that's not all of it. Of whom Daniel was first. Now he's the top man on the pole, and there's a reason for that. One of the reasons, of course, is because God has given him some powers and some uh, strengths, but another reason is because of his own personal purity and his own personal goodness within himself. Now, you know, the inspiration of God doesn't make people live Christian lives. Some folks have a very strange position about the apostles, They think because they were inspired by the Holy Ghost that they were protected and shielded from sin. There's nothing farther from the truth than that. They had to live just like you and I have to live, and they have no more strength and and protection from God than we have, except God preserved them to preach his word. Now then, Paul even said, you know, that I bring my body under, and uh, I have to keep it buffeted from time to time, and uh, so on and so forth, lest I be a castaway. So that goes to show us that Daniel is personally a good man. You remember back yonder these other fellows, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, when they brought in the king's meat from his table or the king's food, the finest viands that could possibly be found in his kingdom or anywhere else. They said it before these young men because they wanted them to eat this and, and uh, uh prosper on it and uh, thrive on it and become intelligent and become handsome and become beneficial to the kingdom. But there happened to be things in this food that these young men just didn't believe in. 
And thank God for people who just will take a stand and tell people they don't stand for things like that. They said, we will not eat the king's meat. Well, now the men that brought this food into him, that was his responsibility to see that these fellows were kept in good shape, as we'll say. So it's a responsibility of his. Now, what am I going to do if you come up here lean and thin and look like you've been taking great doses of anti-fat when time comes for you to go before the king for your appointments? And he says, well, don't you worry about that. You just give us pulse. Well, now that's vegetables. I can go for vegetables any day, you know, okra and peas and butter beans and tomatoes. Who couldn't? said, you just bring us pulse. And at the end of it, we'll see. Well, at the end of the thing, of course, they were fairer than all the others. But now that's the way Daniel was. Daniel's own personal goodness was one thing that made him what he was. Because the Bible goes on to say, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Well, now the reason for this was because he saw in him a great potential for his kingdom. You know, when a man goes to set up some assistance in his kingdom, you know, he wants the best because their production and their uh, progress reflects on him. And he wants some men who can really do the job because it reflects well upon his administration. So that's the reason why he wanted Daniel. And besides that, he was a man on whom he could depend. He had already checked him out. I don't doubt but what maybe he had put him through the FBI, CIO, and all of it. They'd put a background check on him and found him to be just exactly all right. So the record says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion with occasion against Daniel. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We see politics at its highest ebb in this chapter. If you ever saw a work of politics, it's here. You know, politics is a pretty, is a pretty damaging thing, and uh, it's a place where God's children have no business, if you want to know the truth about it. And uh, politics was going to work. You see, this man here has been promoted and promoted and promoted, and besides that, he's not one of their originals. He's not a native anyway. He was a foreigner, and they resented the fact. I think that's the reason why they keep saying, this Daniel, you know. He's sort of pointed out. This Daniel. I don't like the way they speak of him right here. He's Daniel, the great Daniel, you know, from uh, the Holy Land. And here he is. But the Bible says, and then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel. Why? Because they're jealous of him. Because they want his position. And isn't that politics for you? It doesn't matter how good a man is. If he starts running for an office, people are going to trump up something, whether it's true or not, to bring against him, to bring him down, so they can be promoted. Don't we see that every day? The newspapers are full of it. If the Republicans get in office, the Democrats think the Republicans are awful, or vice versa, or whatever. And so here it is now. They seek to find occasion against Daniel. Well, where are they going to go look? I submit to you they've tried three avenues right here. And brother, when you're put under this scrutiny, if you've got any uh, carcasses in your creek, they're going to be found out right here. Listen now while I read. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel. Listen, first, concerning the kingdom. All right. Maybe he's misapplied some funds somewhere. 
Maybe we can find a bug under a chip somewhere. Maybe there's something wrong with his honesty. Maybe he's not made the right kind of decisions in some matters. Check him out. They checked him out, and lo and behold, he clean, came up just as clean as a hound's tooth. He came right up, and absolutely there was no fault to be found in him. They had to try another one. Hard on the heels of that, here we come. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful. Listen next. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Oh, yeah. The ledger books were all in order. Uh, his uh, accounts were all balanced. Neither could they find any fault in him. What? According to the kingdom. So he stands up. He stands up against it. They put him under scrutiny, and they can't find anything against him. Now, surely there's something we can find out against a man. And I reckon, you know, if you finally get down with your magnifying glass and look far enough, you're going to find somebody with some faults. We've all got faults. But they try one more. And these men are desperate now. Look, look at this man. Look where he is. While we're not doing anything, we're not getting any place with this, with this search that we're on here. Well, let's try the next one. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel. Listen. Except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now they've tried him against the kingdom. They've tried his personal life. And now they're going to decide the only fault we can find with him is his religion. And of course Daniel doesn't mind that. Daniel will admit to every bit of that. If, if, if I'm accused of being wrong because I'm religious, then so be it. That's the way it'll have to be. Isn't it wonderful to have a reputation like that? I tell you, that's wonderful to have a reputation like that. So that's where they pitch their tents right here, is concerning his, the law of his gods. They looked under. They looked under cupboards. They looked in cellars. They looked in attics. They looked behind doors. They checked everywhere they could check. They checked all the business affairs of the kingdom, but there was nothing to be found. Now, listen, boys, we're not going to get anywhere unless we just come down on him because of that, that weird religion he's got. Now, that's what we're going to have to do. So that's what they did. Then the presidents and princes assembled together to the king. Well, this indicates a plot, you know. They've made a plot right here. And they get together, and they figure it out. And said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. In other words, we've got our little plan hatched out now for you. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together. Now they're lying because they hadn't checked with Daniel. Here's a falsehood they made already. Here's one, the main man. They've excluded and left out already. But the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god, now notice that, any god or man for 30 days save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Well, now I guess old Darius was a pretty... Uh, intelligent man, I would think. 
But he sits there and listens at them while they fawn on him with their flattery. And while they pretend, isn't this politics? While they just tell him how great he is. And we think you are so great that we want this decree established in your honor. That for 30 days, nobody can ask a petition of God or man except you. If a man falls in a ditch down yonder, he can't pray to God, he can't ask another man, he'll have to have the king come down and pull him out. If a man has a problem, he can't go to anybody else except the king. Can't you see? This is just a plot. It's a plot. It's just for one man. They're doing it just for one man. They're setting a trap for him. They're putting a snare in his path for one man. And you know, I think the old king sat there and he thought, well, now you know, uh, <clears throat> I've always thought my subjects cared quite a bit about me, but I never did know that I was so highly honored as this. This is quite complimentary, I'll have to admit. So, they just slipped the bridle on him. They just went up on his blind side and slipped the bridle on him. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Now, they want that done. They want it done post-haste. They want it done quick. And Daniel won't know anything about it. Wherefore, the king Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, oh, yeah, Daniel was aware of it. Somebody told Daniel it was made known to him. Now, they got the deed done, and they went on their way because they think they've got the trap set, set, and they know he's not going to vary from it. That's the reason why they did it. Why, they'd have been the most disappointed men in the world if he had complied with the king's decree. It would have foiled all their efforts, you see. But they knew Daniel well enough to know that he's not going to falter in anything concerning the, the commandments of his God. Then when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, that's the way they did. And this is such a, this is such a beautiful and rather a touching uh, practice that these exiles had until it almost uh, fills you with a chill when you think about it. Here they are, thousands of miles away from home, never will go home again. But their faith in Jehovah God was so strong till when they went to pray, they opened up that window toward Jerusalem and turned their face in that direction because that's where the Lord's name was recorded, and that's the old home church back at home, and that's where they prayed. They knew God was there, and that's where they prayed. You know, we talked yesterday morning about when you can't be at church to be in the Spirit and be as near there as you can get, at least by mental transport. In other words, in spirit be there anyway. Well, that's what these fellows were doing. They were as near there as they could get, mental transport. They saw the old temple back at home, and so they turned their faces in that direction. We turn our minds back in that direction of the church. His windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day. I don't know that he had ever been commanded to kneel three times a day. I don't know if I've ever read of that or not. But I guess this was a voluntary thing with him because he was that devout. Early in the morning, about noontime, and when the shadows lengthened, he always went to his chamber and he opened up his rooms toward this way over yonder, toward the holy city, and there he prayed to his God. 
What a touching incident that is. But there's something else that strikes me. He opened his window. He didn't go up and close his window. Now it's hazardous to be seen. But he opens his window. Not to exhibit his piousness. Not necessarily to parade his religion. And he wasn't doing that to be seen. But the Bible says, as he had afford time. Here's the idea. It would have been wrong for Daniel to have not done that because that meant he would have been denying the practice he had always performed toward God. And today, he's not going to let any king's decree stop him as he did aforetime. Now, sometimes I think we just expose ourselves to dangers, you know. Well, Daniel wasn't that way. He wasn't doing that just to be persecuted. He didn't have a persecution complex and think, well, I'm going to be a martyr. No. He was a brave, strong, dark, devout man. And he just went up there like he always did and opened his windows. And if they want to see him, they can see him. That's their problem. I'm going to do what I've always done and I'm going to pray to my God. And that's what he was doing as he had a foretime. But number, uh, cha- uh, verse number 11 gives us something ready to think about. Then these men assembled. Assembled. They all got together. They were waiting down the hall. They all got together, you know, and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God. Now, he went in his room, and I'm satisfied when he went to his chamber, he shut his door. Most people do. Well, where did they see him? How did they see him? I call these people the keyhole gang. I think they were peeping. Peeping times, a whole bunch of them. One man gets down, and he looks in, and he says, he's at it. He's at it. And their glee knows no bounds because exactly he's done what they hoped he would do because they want to get him out of the way in an innocent way that won't reflect on them. They want to get him out of the way. And whoever suspect them for that? After all, we honored the king. We can't, we can't help it if Daniel doesn't go along with it. That's his problem. And we'll be the chief men in the kingdom. That's the whole idea. Yes, sir. They checked on him and they found that he had been praying. Yes, sir, they came and found him. They assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God. Well, that's just what they wanted. Down the street they go to the king's palace, and they come rushing in before him. The Bible says, then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. And listen, listen how they slip up on him here. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man shall ask that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And they wait for his answer. The king answered and said, The thing is so, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. And, of course, we know that that was the practice of this uh, uh, stringent government that once the thing was written and sealed, it could not be changed. And we still say it today, you know, well, that's just like the law of the Medes and Persians. That means it altereth not. It cannot be changed. And the king admitted it. He said, yes, that's so, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be uh, uh, changed. Then they drop it on him. You see, the king's been completely gullible about all this, and this goes to show you what flattery will get you, where flattery will lead you. Flattery is a sin. Flattery is disgusting. If you don't mean it, don't say it. It's a sin if you do. 
say what you mean. Be honest about it. And then the king heard it. Then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity, now they don't want him to uh, forget just who they're talking about, regardeth not thee, O king. Now that's a lie. There's nobody that had been any more loyal to the king than Daniel had. Nobody more respectful than Daniel had. They're, they're, they're slanting him right here. Now the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Well, now what happened? It was then the king saw he had been had. The king saw he had had the bridle slipped on him, and he was tied out. And it's rather pitiful. The Bible says, Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with, with whom? With, with the men? No, didn't say that. With Daniel for breaking them? No. The Bible says, Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. He had been the, acting the silly one. He's displeased with himself. He sits there and says, I have sat right here and let them do this to me and the best man in my kingdom is going to be executed right here. What a fool I've been. But look at the next verse. Then the king or he says, and he labored till the going, uh, uh, he says, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. Well, what's going on here now? The law of the Medes and Persians can't be changed. Oh, boy, you've signed it, and you've admitted it. So you just as well take your medicine. It can't be signed. It can't be changed. Goes on to say, though, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. And you know these men got word of that, and they saw that the king was weakening. The king was faltering, and they became very, very frightened, I think. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statutes which the king establishes may be changed. In other words, now, you just as well stop this business. You know, we've got you hemmed up here now, and you just as well take it. We've got you. After all, who's running the government? Do you know that's the way some of our presidents are? We find sometimes that a group of evil men are running the government. They have pulled the wool over the rulers and they're running the government. Sometimes good men are ruined by politics and by evil workers. That's what happened right here. These men assembled themselves unto the king and said unto the king, No king that the law of the Medes and Persians is, and so on. Well, there's nothing else he can do. He, he labored till the going down of the sun and about sunset now. With a very, very heavy heart, he gives up. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, and I want you to listen to this, Thy God whom thou servest continually will deliver thee. What did he know about his God? He hadn't had any experience with God that we know anything about, though God knew Darius. In fact, he named him before he was ever born. God sure knew him. But I think this is an idea right here. Daniel, I don't know much about your God and I don't know about, about your religion. But if your God, whom you serve, 
takes care of good men, I know you haven't got anything to worry about. That's the whole idea right here. So, Daniel, trust, trust your God. Just depend on your God. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet. Now, of course, you know what a signet is. It was his ring and had his seal in it. And they put wax on it while it was soft, and he took that ring and he stuck it down. And when he did, that's just like taking your, your stamp and putting it on it. It was sealed. That meant with all the authority that I have and the power of the Medes and Persians go behind that. It can't be broken. That's what it meant. That the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Well, it's night now. The sun is set. He's labored till the going down of the sun. And the Bible has this very significant thing to say. Then the king went into his palace. Well, ordinarily in the king's palace, they have all sorts of entertainment. They have feasting for one thing. But that was fasting tonight, not feasting, I think. They usually have music and performances, but there's none of this. The Bible says, and pass the night fasting. And there's going to be no four shows going on around here tonight. No jesters will be up putting on programs tonight in my palace. And boy, I'll imagine that the servants and the attendants had better tip around easy because the king's nervous tonight. And the king's has been uh, dealt badly with already. And he's not in any humor to be messed with tonight. Then the king went into his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him. And his sleep went from him. No, he didn't go to sleep. He lay there under those downy covers like he was being entwined with serpents. He lay there, you know, and I think every time the wind howled around the corner, he thought it was a lion roaring. He heard lions all night in his, in his uh, meditations and in his sleep. What a night. You've spent long nights when you were bothered, when you were worried, when you were deep in problems, deep in troubles, and deep in all sorts of mental anguish. The night would never pass, it seems like. Finally, the little hint of dawn would come creeping through the window, and how glad you were. Well, let me tell you one thing. The Bible says, then the king rose very early in the morning. He didn't stay there late o'clock. He didn't stay there and have a have alarm clock to wake him up. No, sir, he came out of there very early. And where are you going, king? Aren't you going to go down to the royal uh, to the royal dining hall and have your breakfast brought in to you before you get on about your duties? It'll perk you up and make you feel better, old king. After all, you should uh, practice the, the uh, art of, 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 of king-making around here. No, sirree. Then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. What are you going down that far, Darius? Don't you know that he's been a banquet for lions? Don't you know that he's just a memory now with a few bones lying up there in a corner? Who ever heard of a man being put in a den of lions that survived it? What are you going to the den for, Darius? There was something in that man's conscience that made him think just maybe, maybe it's possible. Do you reckon? Yeah. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice, under Daniel. Yeah, cried to Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, 
O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? And as that voice reverberated back into that den, he heard a voice like an echo coming back up out of there. Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not hurt me, for as much as before me innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, I've done no hurt. Yes, sir. Is that affecting? I'll tell you it is. When Daniel got in that den, he was safer in there with those lions than he was on the outside with those wicked men. You talk about the worst case of locked jaw that's ever been heard in all the world. That angel came down and locked the jaws of those lions and they were as tame as pussycats that night. Not a hair on his head was hurt. And God up in heaven was looking down upon every bit of it and saw that it took place. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him. And he manifested and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And there's a statement that we need to keep in our mind because he believed in his God. And the king commanded and they brought those men which accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery over them, mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Well, in our countryfied way of saying it, you know, he's just simply saying it before they hit the bottom. These lions had ate them up. The whole business. These kings were a little extreme in some of their views. But the king was so excited about this and so thankful, he wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom and tre men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. I guess he sent couriers throughout the kingdom carrying these documents and messengers to these little distant towns and these cities and so on and so forth. For he is a living God. And here's one of the greatest testimonies that's ever come out of the mouth of a potentate that ever sat on the throne. Old Darius sits right there and acknowledges the existence of the God we love and the God Daniel served. And there stands Daniel off over here as just as humble as a man can be, has been obedient to God all the way through. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. And listen to this verse 27. Next administration, he was still there. Well, I think that's a good lesson. Probably better than I could have preached. So I'm just going to leave it with you. You know, we sing a song that says, Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose true. Dare to make it known. And if there's anything the world needs today, it's some Daniels across the land. Some Daniels who will face the circumstances of life, and regardless of how many may be on the opposing side, they will stand up for Daniel's God. Young people who in the throes of temptations in your schools and in your schoolwork and wherever you are amongst your peers, when they go to taking uh, that, uh, a dose that, that's, that's deadly and harmful, when they start doing that act that's wrong and a violation of God's law, God demands that you be a Daniel and stand up. 
And one of the reasons why this is recorded in God's book is to give courage to people today. Paul said the things that were written aforetime were written for our admonition. That means that we should be admonished by it and have patience in doing this. I wonder if there one in the audience tonight who has never obeyed Daniel's God. Now, we live in a different administration today and in a different uh, area of time. Jesus Christ, our Savior, came down from Daniel's God. Daniel's God sent Jesus into this world to save us, and he died upon the cross, and he gave us a law. He gave us a gospel. Paul says in Romans 1 and 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now, Jesus said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Now, the things that he said concerning you in your sinful state is that you must believe on Jesus Christ, his son. You must repent of your sins, Luke 13 and 3. Confess your faith in Jesus, Matthew 10, 32. And then submit to the ordinance of baptism, Mark 16 and 16. That will add you to the church, and it will cleanse you of your sins. Your sins will be remitted. Your sins will be gone forever. As far away from you as the east is from the west. They'll be drowned in the sea of God's forgetfulness. And he'll never remember them against you anymore. He'll throw them behind his back, the Old Testament writer says. And he'll never see them again. It's like the song, what sins are you talking about? They're gone. They're gone forever. Is there one here who's not a Christian tonight? Come while we're standing, while we sing. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.